the Benefits Corner podcast. Thanks for joining us. With each episode, we'll be speaking with business owners, thought leaders, and top performers. Our goal is to provide our audience with interesting, relevant information as it relates to employee benefits, Canadian healthcare, and running a business. Now, we should say up front that the views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those shared by the Benefits Corner nor its host. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Today's show is brought to you by Aria Benefits, modern advisors backed by experience and technology. Now here's your host, Robin Bailey. Welcome back to the Benefits Corner, everyone. Thanks, as always, for listening. I couldn't be more excited to have today's guest here, as I've attended many industry events where she's been a featured speaker and someone's opinion I've respected for a very long time. So no further ado, I'm very pleased to welcome Barb Martinez to the podcast. And I'll do a quick bio, Barb, before we get started. So Barb is the National Practice Leader, uh, Drug Benefit Solutions at Great West Life. And as that leader in Great West Life's Toronto sales office, Barb supports sales offices across Canada on prescription drug management initiatives. She plays a key role in supporting advisors and their clients, including designing and managing drug benefit plans with Great West Life Drug Solutions Programs. Barb joined Great West Life in 2012 after 10 years at Mercer, where she led the Canadian Drug Benefits Consulting Team. She's a regular speaker at industry forums and a frequent commentator on employer drug programs. Her experience also includes 13 years in the pharmaceutical industry, where she worked in sales and marketing, as well as government and professional affairs. Thanks for joining me today, Barb. Thank you. Well, you know, I really wanted to have you on the show because I've seen you speak at countless industry functions and events, and I believe you're widely regarded as the authority on pharmaceutical drug solutions in Canada as it relates to employee benefit programs. Well, that's very kind of you to say. (laughs) Thank you very much, Robin. So I've kind of asked you here a little bit selfishly. I mean, I hope my, obviously I hope my listeners get some value out of this. Um, But as a business owner myself, I'm particularly interested in high drug costs, what that impact means to my own benefits programs and what solutions are being provided in the marketplace. So I was hoping you could tell you know, us a little bit about why employers should be concerned in the first place. Thank you, Robin. Well, long-term sustainability of drug plans is really the main concern. And as an industry, we have to take a hard look at whether traditional drug plans, you know, the so-called prescription by law plans, which have historically allowed coverage for any drug that entered the market that's approved by Health Canada and requires a prescription. That type of coverage could be putting members at risk of losing coverage because it threatens the long-term availability of benefit plans. Mm -hmm. You see, too often, new drugs are more expensive than established drugs without offering better health outcomes. According to the Patented Medicine Prices Review Board, and that's a government agency in Canada who reviews new drugs and compares them to old drugs, their most recent report says that 82% of the drugs approved in Canada between 2010 and 2016 offered slight or no improvement over older, less expensive drugs. Oh, that's high. It's very high, and this fact has driven the adoption of pharmacoeconomics in the group benefits industry. Okay, so I'm going to stop you there for a second because some of our listeners might not be familiar with the concept of pharmacoeconomics. So would you be able to elaborate on that? Sure. Pharmacoeconomics refers to the scientific discipline that compares the value of one pharmaceutical drug or drug therapy to another. 
And this information is used by stakeholders in the health industry to help make decisions about where to allocate scarce healthcare resources. Okay, thanks for the clarification. Now, Barb, we've known for some time that drug spending is rising dramatically, but there seems to be an increasing urgency to address this issue. Grapes Life is talking about it. Other carriers are talking about it. When I go to broker meetings, obviously, it's, it's, it's a regular um, topic on the agenda. Can you tell us why? Absolutely. You know, when we launched our drug solutions portfolio in 2012, and that was a year that we made some big changes to the way we manage drug plans, we did it because we were looking at new drugs like Solaris uh, that had entered the, the market at a cost of $600,000 per year. And that's I ongoing remember that one. Every, yeah. every year. At that time, it was considered to be one of the most expensive drugs available. And it was there to treat a, a rare condition. So not that many people would need the drug. And at that time, the amount of money spent on those kinds of high-cost and biologic and specialty drugs was about 15% of the total amount that we spent on drugs. But today, the picture is quite different from where it was in 2012. Spending on biologic and specialty drugs is closer to 30%, so it's doubled in five years. Wow. But the urgency really comes when you see new drugs entering the market, like a new drug that's recently been approved by Health Canada. It's called Strenzic, and it has a cost of $2.5 million per year at the highest dose for rare conditions. And so, you know, that kind of cost, we didn't even anticipate five years ago. And here we are today with this isn't the only one that is at a rather staggering cost. Mm -hmm. You know, additionally, though, we're anticipating that future biologic and specialty drug spending is going to take up to 42% of total paid costs. So continued growth is anticipated. And this is due in part a trend towards the development of specialty medications that treat chronic conditions, not just rare diseases that are really for small pockets of the population. So that's where we see things headed, that these very high cost drugs will start to be treating more common conditions. And I can actually give you an example of one. Oh, perfect. There's a drug called Ocalava on the market. It entered the market in 2017 and it is approved by Health Canada for a, a rare liver condition. But now the drug manufacturer is seeking uh, approval from Health Canada for a more common liver condition, which is commonly called uh, NASH is the formal term, but it's, it's fatty liver disease. Okay. And the challenge is that between 2 and 6% of the population has a fatty liver. And so when you, uh, you know, take a drug that is very, very expensive and now up to 6% of the population might need it, and it's really for a condition that often can first be managed with lifestyle, it really puts a big stress on employer drug plans to just start covering for this sure. for everyone. Yeah, for sure. So that really changes materially the sustainability of drug plans and the, their ability to afford drugs going forward. Well, Barb, I, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and truly terrifying me now with that <laughs> with a you know a two point five million dollar claim. I know I couldn't afford even one, one of those claims, right? And and I doubt very many employers could, realistically. Well, Robin, you know, major providers have moved away from prescription by law drug plans. I'm saying that in quotation marks with my fingers up as their standard offering. Now, certain new high cost drugs must go through a review period and are only listed if they're found to be cost effective or they meet some other kind of criteria. Yeah, exactly. 
So at Great West Life, we've rolled out our new, what we call our SMART drug plan, S-M-A-R-T, and that stands for Sustainable, Managed, and Reasonable Treatment. And that is a drug plan that's designed to meet plan sponsors' needs in the current landscape of managing costs and keeping drug plans sustainable into the future. But we also have to balance that with the health members' needs of access to medications. So our philosophy remains focused on balance. Well, that's really interesting, Barb. So I've heard of SMART, and, and, and I must confess, I don't know probably as much as I should about it, so I'm, I'm glad you're here. So perhaps you can tell me, what's SMART and how does it work? Perfect. So, well, SMART, as I mentioned, stands for Sustainable, Managed, and Reasonable Treatment, and I think that's a really great description of what it is we're trying to achieve. It really is the foundation of decisions that we'll make around drugs for those with the SMART drug plan contract language. Okay. It's planning for the future and having the ability to react quickly to both anticipated and unanticipated changes. So the SMART drug plan doesn't affect every drug or all new drugs. It's a small number of drugs that we've targeted. And these are drugs that really have a high dollar amount impact on plans. And so we're going to take now the time to review uh, those drugs before they get added to plans. And so that review period will allow us to introduce what we call a SMART assessment. Okay. Uh, so we can determine if a new drug should be added or potentially should be excluded from coverage. It also allows us to introduce a review and, and introduce new management controls around drugs that are covered through prior authorization. So that's just a process that is in place for certain new drugs where your doctor is going to provide us with additional information to assess that drug for you. The other thing that SMART does is it allows us the opportunity to negotiate drug prices with the drug manufacturers. And that's something that, you know, you see the provincial governments doing as part of the provincial, the pan-Canadian buying alliance. And so, you know, we feel that we need the opportunity to take the time to also have discussions with the manufacturers around cost and price. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and I'm laughing in my head because I, I, I'm, I'm about to make a funny, and I was going to say that I, I think that Greatest Life has made some very smart decisions <laughs> around that. And, and it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. And you said Greatest Life has developed this as a result um, or being able to react quickly to both anticipated and unanticipated changes. And you, and you said a few minutes ago that $2.5 million claim wasn't even around a few years ago. So I think it's very uh, proactive of Great West Life to to be going down this road to say, hey, we don't know what we're going to see in terms of drug prices, but we do know this is a growing area. So, Mark, we're talking about high-cost drugs. And, you know, I, I, I got to ask because, one, I want to know the answer, and I, and I really don't I know the answer. Why are doctors prescribing these high-cost drugs? Well, they may be prescribing a a drug that's more expensive than another drug to treat the condition because they do care whether you can afford the medication. And most of us have had the experience in the doctor's office where just before they write a prescription, they ask, do you have a drug plan? Yeah, they do ask, absolutely. They do. And, And what they're doing is they're asking, do you care how much this costs? Because they know if you can't afford it, you're not going to be able to take your medication. That's right. The challenge is that most of us respond to that question by saying, yes, I have a drug plan. It's kind of like we're saying to the doctor, I don't care how much it costs. Mm -hmm. And so what often happens then is the doctor kind of goes, well, you don't care how much it costs. I don't need to take cost into my decision making when I prescribe a drug. 
And so they often don't do that. And instead, they're, you know, of course, they're using the research they've read and reading their journals and, and going to their educational le lectures and making the decisions based on that. But we sometimes tell them to take the cost out of the equation. Yeah. And so they may end up prescribing a more expensive drug than they really need to prescribe. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point because I, I have been at some industry meetings where, you know, you get the feeling that doctors are being picked on a little bit. And you know, based on what we just talked about, you realize they're doing their job, you know, based on the information that they have. They so, are. We're not trying to pick on doctors at all. So I, I think, I think you're right. I think it might be an opportunity to educate plan members. That's and, right. And have that discussion with, with you, with your physician. You're right. If, if the plan member answered that question by saying, yes, I have a plan, but I have to pay part of the cost. Is this going to be expensive? Or yes, I have a plan, but it encourages generic substitution. Is there a generic drug for my condition? Yeah, That absolutely. would let the doctor know that you do care about cost and, and it might change how they prescribe. Yeah, very good. I'm glad, I'm glad we uh, talked about that. The other question I had, and I don't know if you can answer it uh, at a dollar figure, and and I and you you kind of get a different answer depending on the carrier you're talking to. When we're talking about high cost drugs, when we're talking to plan sponsors or or employers, is there a dollar figure where we just say that's a high cost drug versus this one isn't? Well, there can be a dollar figure. I think it's fairly common to suggest that if a drug costs ten thousand dollars or more, more per okay. year, it's called a high cost drug. But but I wouldn't want to limit it just to drugs that cost more than ten thousand dollars per person per year because there also could be high volume drugs that result in very result high cost. In those, okay. So potentially a drug that costs less than ten thousand dollars a year but is used by a, a large percentage of the population at the end of the day, then that really could be considered a high cost drug as well. Okay, so okay. It's good. not always just as simple as looking at the right. price of the okay. medication. Okay, good clarification. So why does Gregor's Life need to conduct an assessment? Um, I guess what I'm asking, you know, don't insurers still basically follow Health Canada's guidelines? Well, certainly insurers are still including Health Canada guidelines in their reviews. It's just, it's no longer the sole consideration for determining whether a drug should be eligible under a plan. So the, the assessment includes a variety of different expertise, independent consultants, TELUS Health, who is the Paydirect drug card provider for Great West Life, uh, also is uh, an expert in the development of formularies and, and drug management. So we use their expertise and we also have significant internal expertise. Our pharmacy team um, and, and our drug governance committee uh, is made up of many different types of professionals. So in determining coverage for a new drug approved by Health Canada, our SMART assessments will consider multiple angles, factoring in alternate treatment options, the side effects, the safety, the cost effectiveness, and the stage or the progression of the disease that the drug is meant to treat to determine coverage. And we do the same for any new condition approved by Health Canada for existing drugs. So for certain old drugs, but they're approved for a new disease, then we would consider that a new drug for that disease okay. and it may go through that review period. I'm going to just play devil's advocate here for a second. So why isn't it enough to just rely on Health Canada's guidelines? You know, Robin, that's a really great question because we have relied largely on Health Canada's guidelines until recent years. And, right. and Health Canada's guidelines in today's market are really just a starting point, if you will. The paramount concern at Health Canada is the safety of the patient, which is great. They do okay. a great job of that. Yep. And so the review essentially asks, will this drug harm the patient? And does it work better than nothing, a placebo? 
So cost or cost effectiveness or efficacy in comparison to drugs already proved are really not considered by Health Canada. There are reviews done by the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technology and Health. You sometimes hear them called CADETH. Okay. They also provide value, but they are looking at the impact of a drug on the healthcare system as a whole. So if a drug reduces the number of trips to a hospital or re reduces the number of blood tests that have to be done, for example, it might be recommended for coverage because that's a benefit to the healthcare system overall. But we also need to take a look at that drug from the uh, employer's perspective. How does it impact absenteeism and disability and absence and, and that sort of thing? And so the lens of a private employer might be somewhat different than that of a, a government. So Barb, I've heard people say that the SMART assessment reviews each drug to see if it's proportionate. What does that mean? Well. Our assessment determines if the health outcome or benefit of a new drug or a new indication for an old drug is proportionate to its cost. We may determine proportionality based on pharmacoeconomic principles and methods that are used internationally, like clinical effectiveness, safety, side effects, cost effectiveness, and the stage or progression of the disease. I mean, just for example, if you have a very mild form of a disease and there's drugs that cost hundreds of dollars and also drugs that cost thousands of dollars and also drugs that cost several thousand dollars, you know, in a mild stage of a disease, it may be appropriate to say, we really need to start with a less expensive drug sure. and graduate our way yep. up rather than starting at the most expensive drug first exactly yeah. and so proportionality will play a role in 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 that progression yeah and i think i think a lot of the plant sponsors or employers that i deal with would understand that you know so sometimes you do get pushback from an employee why can't i have access to this drug but i think i think most of the plant sponsors understand that you know this is a starting point and of course no one's saying you're denied a, a drug but there certainly is a process that you have to go through it and sitting as a business owner I'm, I'm happy to see some of those those things in place because I do want to continue to provide an employee benefits plan, keep it viable, and the only way to do that is to have some smart, and we'll go back to that, um, you know, plan provisions in place. So that's great. Absolutely. I was hoping you could give us an example of the smart assessment in action. What, what would that look like? Sure. Well, first and foremost, it's really important that our philosophy remains the same as it really always has been, and that is to be focused on balance. So we're tackling the issue of escalating drug costs, but we're also helping to ensure that plan members continue to have access to comprehensive coverage. So it's a delicate balance, and, and we take that balance very seriously. So with that balance in mind, consider the drug that I used as an example before, Ocalava, which is currently approved for a rare liver disease, but may become approved for a much more common, not so rare liver condition that could be managed for many people through diet and exercise. That was the one you mentioned, it was about $40,000 treatment? $40,000 okay. a year. Yeah. So we're committed to making decisions and responding in a timely manner, but we do feel that we need to take a six to nine month period and review these new drugs and just ensure that we're taking the time to get it right, right. with coverage. We work with many different resources and experts to gain a complete picture of the assessment of the drug 
And that includes, you know, what the drug manufacturer provides to us. They do provide a very comprehensive portfolio when they introduce a new drug on the market. We look at Health Canada and take, you know, their information into consideration. We look at CADETH, who I mentioned earlier, the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technology and Health. There's also another agency that it's it's called PCODER, uh, and it's specific to cancer drugs. We have independent consultants. We have Telus Health is our expert. We have our own internal expertise. And then we come to a really robust decision that has the employee's health and productivity. And, you know, we want employees, we need employees to be healthy and productive at work. And drugs are often the way to ensure that that happens. So this isn't about cutting benefits or taking things away. It's really about managing things better going forward to ensure that you and your children and your grandchildren are going to have drug plans going into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was just thinking as, as you're reading through some of these and, 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 and I'm listening to you, I would imagine part of the, the skills that would show up on uh, on your resume would be understanding uh, pretty much every acronym in the uh, in the uh, drug landscape from, from CADETH to PICODER and, and, and all these things. <laughs> Barry, one last question for you. How does... Because, you know, I'm kind of fascinated now that we're talking about the smart drug plan because I think um, a lot of what you're talking about appeals to me as a, as a business owner. But I know it's going to appeal to a lot of business owners and, and my clients and hopefully hopefully prospects as well down the road. How does a smart drug plan compare to a managed formulary in terms of restricting coverage or protecting plan sustainability? Because that's the other area that... You know, when when I'm going to industry meetings, I'm hearing a lot of discussion around formularies, and, and that's the answer. So uh, I'd love to hear some feedback from you on, on how that compares. Perfect. So there are a few different kinds of formularies, and, and we've been talking all along, I think, about what, what's commonly called a prescription by law formulary, which essentially adds drugs based on whether they're approved by Health Canada. And so many plans have had prescription by law formularies, but some plans have had what's called a managed formulary. And and a formulary is really a specific listing of drugs, but a managed formulary typically means that it's a more restrictive list of drugs in terms of the number of drugs that are gonna be covered on that plan. And so the decision to list a drug on a managed formulary is based on many things. You know, are other drugs available and what is the cost? But the other thing about a managed formulary is it often goes backwards in time and really going back to, all of the drugs in the market and comparing back in time one to another. The SMART program doesn't really go back in time. We're not trying to go backwards and take away coverage for anything that's been covered today. What we want to do going forward is really assess a small number, maybe 50 drugs a year or so, on a different basis than we have in the past and and go Mm. a little bit beyond Health Canada to take many of the other considerations into account that we've already um, discussed today. For example, on a managed formulary, only one drug from a therapeutic class might be covered where there might be many drugs to treat a, a given condition and only one would be chosen because it's the lowest cost alternative versus an open formulary that covers everything and then you've kind of got the smart assessment which is I wouldn't say even in the middle because it's more towards the open side of things it's not aggressive and restrictive it's really targeting specific drugs that may not be offering value over existing drugs that are already available. And if covering those threatens the sustainability of the drug plan and the plan sponsor's ability to provide drug coverage to their employees, 
then we have to take a look at those drugs and determine how's the right way to cover them for everybody or maybe just for certain people if they have more severe conditions, etc. Yeah, and these and these are some of the I'm glad you brought that up because these are these are some of the the tough decisions that that business owners like myself have to make because you know I, I go back to I said it a couple of minutes ago besides salaries I mean benefits are are the number one sought you know benefit right when you're when you're interviewing someone and they're asking for it so it's something we definitely want to we want to provide for employees we want we want to have that plan be flexible provide for their families but at the same time I mean at the end of the day that plan has to be sustainable so I think we're in a climate where with some unanticipated costs coming down the road. We don't know what's around the corner in terms of biologics and rising drug costs. Um, I think it's incredibly important that we're talking about this today. Not just you and I, but I'm hoping the listeners are getting some value out of this. So Barb, thanks so much for doing this. We just had a really thought-provoking and interesting conversation. So I thought, let's just lighten the mood for a second. And I end my podcast uh, like this because I, I think it's it's always fun to find out what people are doing outside of work. Because while work's fun and interesting and exciting, we all have lives outside of that. So, Bart, what do you do for fun? Well, I'll answer that in one word. Food. Ah, okay. I am a foodie. You're and a foodie. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy going to restaurants. I enjoy traveling and eating. And in fact, last year at this exact moment, I was in Italy oh. enjoying the food and, and the wine as well. Yes, we, we uh, my wife and I have uh, been to Italy and, and to this day, one of my favorite, and I couldn't tell you where it is. It's somewhere in Rome down some alley and it was a little patio and we, we got there and uh, the, the Italian waiter says, you know, this isn't a tourist place, just so you know. We're like perfect right so I'm with you being being a foodie so again Barb thanks so much for doing this how do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out with feedback on the podcast or, or for any other reason you bet so uh, my name is Barbara Martinez my email is barb.martinez at gwl.ca and I still actually use the telephone as well if you ever <laughs> want to give me a phone call my number is 416-552-5336 thanks Barb All right, folks, that is it for today. Be sure to check out your favorite podcatcher for our next episode. Keep that feedback coming as it helps us bring you a better show, and I always enjoy reading it. Also, be sure to check out our website, www.ariabenefits.ca. As well, we are putting all our podcast episodes up there. And I can be reached at rbailey at Aria Benefits or Robin Bailey on LinkedIn. Your choice. You know where to find me. We'll see you next time on the Benefits Corner.